0: This message you're about to listen to was recorded live at the Redeemed Christian Church of God, the Throne Room Parish, Transcorp in Abuja. Be blessed as you listen. So we talked about the first, first three trials, and I started by saying that on a daily, on a yearly basis, we go to check up, we check our heart condition. But only in this kingdom that we found out that most of us don't even check the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart is very, very important. What indicates what your life is, is the condition of your heart. If the heart is corrupt, guess what? The whole life will be corrupt. And the Bible talks about the heart. That the heart of man is wicked and deceitful. And that's the reason why we must constantly put the heart on trial. Amen. Because the heart of man is wicked and is deceitful. Your heart can deceive you. It is only God that puts the reign of the heart to trial. And he does that through the word of God. And that's why Paul admonishing us in first, second Corinthians chapter 13, verse number five, he says, examine yourself. What he's saying in essence is that put your hearts to trial. Examine the thoughts that come out of your heart. Examine the condition of your heart. Because the condition of your heart is what actually signifies the, the life, your spiritual life. Your spiritual life is actually connected to the condition of your heart. If the heart is mad, if the heart is corrupt, that life will be corrupt. And the worst of it all is that you can have a, a defect heart and not know it. One of the most killer disease in America is heart disease because you cannot. You, sometimes you have a defected heart and you will not know. It's the same spiritually. Because the heart is wicked, deceitful. And it's very important that we put your heart on trial. In fact, the psalmist, David, the man after God's heart, one of the key things that he does on a regular basis, that what that's what made him man after God's heart, is that he constantly puts his heart on trial. He says, God, examine me. You always hear the sermon says, Examine me. Search my reign. Search my heart. Know me, oh God. I'm not hidden from you, I'm exposed to you. And that's the reason why every time you see David fall into one sin or the other, you've never seen David commit the same sin twice. Never recorded that David committed the same sin. Yes, he's a sinner. Yes, he did evil, but he never repeats it. You know why? He's constantly putting his heart on trial. He asks himself, "What what was the condition of my life when I fell into that sin? And guess what? The next time he comes, he knows how to protect himself from that sin. So it's very key that we put our heart on trial. We live in the very last days. We live in the very last days. But I was telling my wife one time, we were talking about this, I just rang it so much in our ears and the ears of our children and the ears of the church, you know, was asking me, said, then why do we need to build? I said, "We will we'll just do it, but just expect not to live in it because the rapture will take place anytime soon. There's a falling away and that's one of the last things that will happen when the heart of many begins to wax cold, when the love of many begins to wax cold. We live in a time that we have the form of godliness, but the power of godliness has been denied. We have people that profess to be Christians, but they're not Christians inside. We have a lot of deceivers. Some of us, some of them parade as pastors. Some of them parade as what you want to call them. Some of them parade as men and women of God, children of God, but they're deceivers because their heart condition is not in alignment with the very will and the very purpose of God. God is only interested in his will and his will and his will and his will and his will, and his will alone. We cannot, guess what? We cannot untwist God. It is His cancer that will stand. And so that's why we must condition our heart. We must make sure our heart is in the right place. Amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5, it says, examine yourself whether you are in faith. Luke chapter 18, verse number 8b, it says, nevertheless, the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so we talked about the seventh Questions you must ask in trying your heart. The first one is, when you are left alone, when you are not doing anything, when you are just in in by yourself, what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts? What are those things that you think about? Those things that you think about is actually who you really are. When no one is there, when no one is telling you anything, when you are just by yourself, what are your thoughts? Second thing we talked about is that when everything is taken away from you, would God be enough? Yes, God is faithful, but God is God enough. We can easily say God is faithful, but I'm asking you, is God enough? For Job, God was enough. When everything was taken away from Job, when his, when his dignity was taken away, when his finances was taken away, when the family was taken away, when everything in love was taken away from him, Job still says, I know my Redeemer liveth." it. I am not going to curse God. I am going to stick with God. I am going to stick. Even though He smits me, that smite will be an ointment. Will God is God enough for you? Do you need something else to be happy? Or is God enough? Is the oil of salvation in your life enough that you can say like Joseph, I will not do this evil against my God and against mankind. I will not lay with Potiphar. Is God enough? Because that is the trial of the heart. If God is not enough, that heart is defect. Has defect in that heart. Your heart is defect. Has defect. If other things makes you happy and not God, something is wrong with you. Amen. And the third thing we talked about is, who can you not forgive? So number four is that, when your heart is troubled, where do you turn to for relief? For some is money, for some is alcohol, for some is fame. When your heart is troubled, the psalmist says, "When my heart is overwhelmed, take me to the rock that is higher than me." Don't take me to the house to the beer parlor. Don't take me to anywhere. But just take me to the rock that is higher than me. When your heart is troubled, like we are in a troubling time, where do you run to? The house of God, or you run away from the house of God? When that when there's trouble. Where did you go to? Psalm 62, verse number 1. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock where it is higher than I. That is what proves that your heart is healthy when you are driven to the cross. Driven to your maker. Driven to your Lord. When you are troubled, do you turn to Facebook, social media, or do you turn to Christ. you pick up your phone call to call your friends and lament over what they can't even help you about? Or do you go to the rock that is higher than you? Putting your heart on trial. When everything goes out, what do you turn to? Money? Fame? Alcohol? Drug? Material things? Or the Lord? For the psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, I turn to my maker. I turn to God. How many people have left coming to church because of coronavirus? How many people have left service because of one crazy, stupid pandemic? Yes, it's real. But that should drive us to our nails. That should drive us to our Maker. Knowing full well, the only thing that is constant is God. Can I hear loud Amen. And I hear the born again one. Matthew twenty, Matthew 11, 28 says, come unto me, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and of heaven hand, I give you rest. Where are you turning to when your heart is overwhelmed? Number five, question we must ask ourselves, and this is big. What have you sacrificed the most? For what have you sacrificed the most? This is not the most. I told them in our church. And I'm proud to say this, because I say this from a sincere heart. If you get my checkbook right now, virtually 80% of my check is written to Fountain of Grace. That is my sacrifice. God, I will give me everything. What are you sacrificing the most for? For some of us, it's our dress. For some of us, it's for our fame. For some of us, it's to retain our position. But for me and for David, it's for our God. Where did you sacrifice the most? Where did you spend the most of your time in? What did you spend the most of your time in? Tell me the condition of your heart. I told the church last time. I says every time, every every year, I ask the accountant who is the highest giver. If he doesn't call my name, I'm going to be that person the next time. I'm proud to say I'm the highest giver in our church with all the eyes are guys that do have heavy duty, I am the eyes because I know who I am I know where my heart is where your heart is, that's where your treasure goes to you have to wind people to give tithes you have to wind people to do of their offerings where is your money going to I'm not here to preach money, I don't talk money but where your treasure is that's exactly where your heart is where you spend most of your money Reminds me of a story. I'll just say this story because of my time. Where do you spend most of your time, most of your money, and most of your resources? Think about it. Go home. Check it. Check your, your checkbook. Check all your transfer. Where do you spend the most? If it's not the church, if it's not the kingdom of God, if it's not to enhance the, ma- the, the plight of mankind, something is wrong with you. If it's all about you, if the most you spend is on you, some, that heart is defected, has a defect. Because we don't live for ourselves, we live for our community. The lowest form of life is self. Every time you are, every time you give, you feel good. But most of the time you spend on yourself, you don't really feel good. You feel a pinch that something just left you. But when you give out, you feel good. Most of your resources, where is it? To? Most of your time, where did you invest most of your time in? Is it God and His Kingdom, or is it you? There's this young man. I mean, I'm sure you guys know. If you guys know this story, this wealthy man that had five, four wives. The first wife he loved, and after some time he abandoned the first wife. This is a story. Then he got the second wife. He married the second wife. Loved the second wife very dearly. And after some time, because he's very rich, he went for the third wife. Loved the third wife, lavished everything on the third wife. Lavished everything. And that was not enough. He says, I see this space. I have space for more. He went for the fourth wife, and he married the fourth wife, and gave the fourth wife everything. spoiled the fourth wife. And so a day came, and the doctor told him, you have... Just few years, few weeks to leave, or a few, few days to leave. This young, rich man that has lavished everything on his wives called the fourth wife and says, Will you die with me? And that fourth wife looked at him and says, No, I will not die with you. But I will do something. I will help make a befitting funeral for you. He looked at that wife and she walked away. He called the third wife and says, will you die for me? The third wife says, no, I really, really love you, but you just have to take this journey yourself. And I'm even ready to bail out. There's a guy actually waiting after you. I'm just waiting for you to go. Then he called the second wife, asked the same question. and The second wife says, no, I can't die for you. I have my children to take care of. And this guy was left with a wife that he actually paid less attention to. The first wife. And he says, will you die with me? The first wife looked at him. And he says, yes. I'll die with you. You are that man that have four wives. For some of us, our first wife is our soul. And that's the one we never treat well. That's the one you don't even pay attention to in your dealings. You hardly read Christian books. You hardly attend prayer meetings and other things that edify the soul of yours. In fact, it was your first wife because it came where you were actually having entrance to this earth. The second wife is what we call your family. You came in contact with your family. Guess what? They will never die with you. As much as you invest on your family, they never dies with you. The only thing that goes with you is your soul. How much investment do you have on your soul? Where do you sacrifice the most? Tells me the condition of your heart. For this man, the second wife was the family. When he was about to leave, the family was there to help do a befitting funeral, but they're not ready to go with him. How come we invest so much on the things that will not last for eternity? How come we spend so much time and resources and money on things that would one day will not be there anymore? In fact, somebody, one of my pastor friends speaking on my mom's um, service of songs says, when, you, when, you, when, you, the, when the body decays, as big as this body is, when it decays, it cannot even fill a, a, a very small plate. The sand of the sun, this thing you are seeing is sand. When you melt it or when it decays, it's not going to fill a bucket. And you spend all your time on earth maintaining that. And that which is key, your soul you reject. Oh, what miseries we see upon this earth. The second, the third wife is material things. You love so much. You give all your resources to. When you go, they will be here. And the fourth wife is our body. We leave this behind. The only thing that you go with is your soul. What investment are you having on your soul? What occupies your day? Do you enrich the soul of yours, which is the front for the heart? The heart expresses itself through our soul. When the soul is healthy, or when the heart is healthy, the soul flourishes. Amen. Okay, all right. The, third, the sixth question we must ask in putting our heart on trial. We've got a lot of time. I'm just going to rush through this. Is your relationship with God is it bodysome? coming to church, is it a duty? Do you see coming to church or serving as a duty? Or do you see it as an act of worship? You say like some I'm glad when they say let us go. I can't wait to come to true room. I can't wait to come to church. I can't wait to be taught the word of God. I can't wait to lift up holy hands to worship my king. I cannot wait. It's Serving God burdensome to you, did you see it as a duty? Or are you serving God voluntarily with love? For some, it's a duty. I'm coming because I don't want anyone to call me. I say, Where are you? I'm giving because I just have to give. Do you see it? Is there your relationship with God burdensome? Amen. First John chapter 3. Chapter 5, verse number 3. Loving God means keeping the commandment and his commandment are not burdensome. His commandment are not burdensome. John writing says, loving God is keeping his commandment and his commandment are not burdensome. Psalm 27, verse number 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that which I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. That is my desire. That is my religion. It's not a burden. It's not a duty. It's just what I want to do. It's a desire of mine. I long to be in the house of God. I long to pray. I long to worship. I'm glad when they say, let us come. That's what the psalmist is saying here. It's not a duty. I'd rather become a gatekeeper in the house of God. Just make me a gatekeeper. I just want to be there. I just want to be where the Lord is. Is that the condition of your heart? Or you're coming to church and you see it as a duty to your pastor. I'm just helping. Or do you see it as a thing that you do to your God? You're cherishing it. You're loving it. I'm glad when they say, let us go to serve. And the seventh thing you must ask is what is your plan for eternity? the seventh thing you must ask your heart are you prepared for eternity if death was to knock now will you be ready if the rapture was to take place now how ready are you how prepared are you how pure is your heart how is your heart scripture record is appointed unto man once to die who die How ready are you to meet your Maker? How right is their heart? Put your heart on trial because Jesus is coming soon. We will see him just as he is. The Bible says the trump of God will rise, will sound. We which are alive, not dead in sin, alive in righteousness, shall be cut off to meet the Lord in there. How ready are you? If you've not given your life to Christ, it's an opportunity for you to, to give your life to Christ. That's the beginning of everything. I admonish you. I compel you. I beg of you, give your life to Christ. Be reconciled to Christ. And if you've been if you've been playing church, it's not time for play church. It's time to be a disciple. And disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ. Is a disciplined follower of Christ. And my prayer is that. If the rapture takes place before I come back here again, I'll see you all in heaven, where we'll part no more. God bless you. We believe you have been blessed by this message. To download this message, please visit our podcast at the Throne Room on your handheld device or computer. For any inquiries, call 08087-0000004 or visit the Life Center at number 20 Colorado Close, off Dame Street, Maitama Abuja. You can also visit our website, www.rccgthroneroom.org. You are highly lifted, highly favored.